0: Chats Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome friends to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, and you can check out some of my work on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. I'd also love to invite you to be a part of our online Facebook community called Daily Creative Habit. Simply go to dailycreativehabit.com and you can request to join the group. It's free. It's a private Facebook group where people are showing up with all sorts of creative expressions to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. I want to be a part of a community that is encouraging me and helping me show up and be my very best. So if that's you join us today, go to dailycreativehabit.com. And I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, I also wanted to let you know about another great opportunity. I'm going to be speaking and live sketching at The Thing Conference. And um, this is with my buddy, Terry Weaver, who was on a couple of episodes ago. And this is a great community that I have found not only just helpful information, but more so a community of people who can encourage me in the work that I'm doing and who I can partner with. And so if you're looking to level up in the things that you're doing, you need some help with getting ideas off the ground or maybe email marketing or some other things on the business side of things. There are a host of people who are amazing communicators and business leaders and creatives who are gathering for the Thing Conference November 5th through the 7th, and uh, if you go to the thing.live, use the code creative, you'll get a discount. And uh, if you can't make it in person, it's in Orlando, Florida. If you can't make it in person, there is a live stream option as well. So highly want to encourage you to check this out because trust me, even if there's one thing that you walk away with, that one thing can be the game changer for you. So be sure to check it out today. Now, on today's episode, I sit down with my friend, Pamela Robertson. Now, Pamela and I met a few years ago at a creative conference, and we became fast friends. As a matter of fact, you may remember her name as part of the PB&J effect that I had uh, three lovely ladies on uh, earlier this year, and she shared about just that kind of collective that they had going as far as their uh, gallery showing and, just the work that they were doing together. So I wanted to have Pamela back on and to talk about just life as the artist, right? I mean, we just have a candid conversation today about critiquing and the critic and just the importance of the right community. And quite honestly, we talk about mental health issues and being a creative. You know, how do you show up when someone has maybe said some things about your work that has rattled you and it's gotten inside your head how do you come back to your art and make sure that you show up and keep progressing and don't let those voices derail you i love the conversation we had today as a matter of fact it was so great that i was just like we're gonna let the tape keep rolling here uh, not that there's actual tape anymore, but you know what I mean. <laughs> We're gonna let things roll on the recording, and I said this is gonna be a two-parter because it was just that good of a conversation. So uh, not necessarily like a usual creative chat that I have, but um, there are certainly parts where we explore Pamela's uh, journey. She talks about just her background and how she arrived at um, you know, painting, uh, and specifically painting abstract art. And what some of the influences that she's had have been. And again, just how, man, this creative journey sometimes can be difficult. Um, but, you know, we, we're passionate about creating the things that we're creating. And so uh, I hope that this episode and the following episode really speak to you, uh, encourage you and help you to show up again and again and encourage you to become part of a community of people and not try to do this alone. So here is part one of my creative chat with Pamela Robertson. Well, welcome, Pamela. I'm excited to have you back on the show.
1: Me so too! Good. Yay! Yes, yes. I've been waiting to talk to you for a little while.
0: Oh yes, friend. It's going to be good today. I know it already. Um, and th- today, you know, for for any of our listeners right now you know Pamela was on the show she was part of a panel and um, we got to hear a little bit from her but today we're going to go deeper and hear more of her background more of her story we're going to talk about some stuff today I think that a lot of people are going to resonate with so it's uh, two friends having a great conversation so thank you for being here
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really happy to be here. I love talking about art and the process of making art. It um, I get excited about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is course. one of my favorite things to do.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So in case anyone doesn't have any context on who you are, what you do, give us a little bit of who are you, what do you do?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm Pamela Robertson and i um i've known since kindergarten that i was supposed to be an artist it is a really clear memory in my mind of what happened um i we were doing the painting um it was a really big kindergarten class so and and there weren't wasn't a lot of wall space so they didn't hang up everybody's paintings and the teacher came over to me i was painting a lamb my nickname at home was Pam, the lamb. So I was painting a lamb, beautiful green field and a yellow sunshine. And I was loving it. And the teacher asked if they could hang it on the wall. And I said, no, because this painting is for my mother. (laughs) And she said, okay, well, why don't you paint a second picture of the lamb? And then you can decide which one you want to keep and which one to stay here. And so the rest of the class left I think they learned like how to balance your checkbook or something because I missed that one and um and I knew in that moment um that this is what I wanted to do when I grew up I wanted to be a painter and I was exposed to art um through my mom she um she's from Germany and she had a, a a a magazine Birgitta magazine that she was a subscriber to that would come once a month And there was uh, always a page in the middle where they would have a a full color page of just a piece of art. And I just have, we would always, I would always go to that page first and, and my mom and I would rate it if we liked it or not, who liked it and what we liked about it. And she was a huge Picasso fan. So she had several Picasso prints in our house and this is in Tulsa, you know, the suburbia of Tulsa, Oklahoma, we were not a wealthy family, but my mom really did bring, she brought in classical music and, and art and books um, to our home. And I, and I credit her with my interest and, in, and, in, and in art. And we just did a lot of creative things and, you know, painting Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. She was kind of fun doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then, so, so I don't come from an art artistic family, which means I didn't really know how to be an artist other than make art. And, um, and I really had no help in how, I cause I wanted to go to the Chicago Art Institute. That was like my dream. I'm not sure why it was Chicago Art Institute, but this time I was living in Houston. And, um, but I got no support in like how to, this is before internet, right? So you'd get like a box of stuff to fill out. And it, I was totally overwhelmed. I mean, they wanted like letters of recommendation, like from adults, like I knew any adults. <laughs> I <know> <laughs> And uh, the only reason I was even going to school anymore is for art class and then every other class that I couldn't stand I'd always like get all my work done quickly and then tell my this really important project in art class so they would let me get out of there, so I could go to the art class and make art. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so consequently I ended up just going to the University of Houston and 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 studying fine art there and um, and I studied sculpture and painting, and so I learned how to weld which was so much fun and but i'm not a sculptor my sculptures were pretty right um and then did a lot of painting but it was a really messed up environment and i got a lot of um very mixed messages from professors from semester the same professor from but from semester to semester and uh it was it was pretty brutal um which i guess kind of ties in what i want to talk about today which is the being wounded as an artist Mm -hmm. and how that can affect what you make, how you think about what you make and, and how it can stop you from making. So in my, my first experience with this, I had a number of them, but the biggest one uh, was was towards the end where, oh, let's see, which one should I pick to talk about? (laughs) It's awful when I think about it. Like there were a lot of instances where it's just like, this is not healthy. Um, But I'll go with the final one. And I'd been told a lot of where one semester the professor would love a particular painting, and then the next semester he would use that painting to me as an example of how my paintings were basically just wallpaper. So it was really like, wow. And that was also a painting that got chosen for the student show that also sold. And they laughed at me when I told them I was gonna charge $500 for this. Now this is years and years ago, Um, but they said, you're never gonna get $500. But I sold it for $500. And so towards the end, this is towards the end of my tenure with them. Um, so I was getting a little fed up with all the mixed messages and stuff. And the final critique, they critiqued an abstract painting, purely abstract painting. And, uh, their whole critique was don't really like this part. It's too white. <laughs> and that was it. And I was, yeah. and we're, and I was like, I'm working because I was working. I worked my whole, you know, i was always waiting tables to pay for all this stuff. So, um, I just said, you know what, I'm done. Like, that's like somebody complaining about a comedy because it wasn't a mystery, you know, I mean, just critique what's there already. And, um, and so that was it, I I was, I, I was done. But what I found when I went out on my own, um, to paint on my own, after that, once I would pick up a paintbrush, I could hear all the things mm-hmm. they had told me, you know, like, that mark is trite, and that's completely overdone, and all the everything's, and it took me a solid two years, until I could actually start making art, purely for art's sake, without, I mean, I could still hear them, but without so much interruption that I physically couldn't make art anymore. The sad thing was, is it wasn't just me, because then I met a couple of people that came out of the same program, and they'd had the same issues, (laughs) where they were also unable to paint for a couple of years afterwards, which is heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're looking to those professors and those leaders to, to help you and to develop things in you see things in you encourage those things and of course you need correction of course you need guidance but yeah there's so much weight in that especially when you're younger and you're you need that because you're looking for validation you're looking for someone who's gone ahead of you to say here's the right way to do this or here's a better way to do this or here's what I see in you do more of that not necessarily just hey this is trash give it up
1: Right, yeah. Remember that thing I loved three months ago? It was garbage. It's garbage.
0: Right. Yeah. What are
1: you making? You know, and right. you're. But yeah, because and for me it was the same. I was walking into art school as like, here I'm coming in into my family, right? The family that I was born to. You know, as an artist. Um, and I was I was waiting for the key. They're going to give me the big golden art key that was going to unlock this thing, and I was going to be in and and be shuttled through and you know because my business plan at that time was I was just going to be bigger than Picasso period like that was it <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get discovered somehow
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know just it would just all magically happen so it was um it was a it was a tough experience it was a tough experience and and I did look back, I know after I left college too, the other interesting thing was, is I was looking at the art I was making in high school compared to what I made in college. And I could see how in high school I was a lot more adventurous. And I was just taking a lot more risks, where in college I really kind of started closing up because, you know, you've got a critique every two weeks on three yeah. brand new paintings that are still wet. And you don't, and I'm, you know, you're young too. You're a child. And so you don't know what you're painting about. You just start painting. So the critiques were basically all of us just sitting on the floor silent. Mm -hmm. The professors would talk. It was awful, it was
0: awful. We had ones that we would put the work up on the wall, you know, and this is for design, right? So we'd put stuff up on the wall and then everyone would have to take turns talking about each other's work too. And there were certainly people in there who you knew did not like you, and were not shy about yes. that, and oh. use that as the opportunity to let you know, without any doubt, I don't like you. Um, oh my
1: gosh, it's so true. Or uh, if you know, or if the professor said, I'm not really sure about that part, and then everyone was like, oh, okay, and then they'd mm-hmm. all go, now I can say that because I won't get attacked by the professor if I agree with them, right. and so it's just a big dog pile.
0: Yeah. it's interesting it's interesting because I think about like today so many people are like you know you don't really need to go to art school because so much of what you can learn is available online right um and and I certainly think you need to think about that whether or not art school is for you right right one of the benefits I think for me that art school offered was a community and yes Mm -hmm. sometimes part of that community was a little jacked up um like we're talking about but I think about if I had not had the experience of having people critique my work and also offering critique to other people, I don't know that I would have developed that part of my skill and thinking.
1: I totally Um, agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I mean, look at me, I'm talking about going to college. I was, you know, and I was paying for it in cash by waiting tables. So this is a complete, I don't know that anyone could do that today in today's day and age to pay for art school, right? you know, with a part-time job. So it's a huge, huge, giant commitment. And I have to say, and I hope I don't get hate from this, but from publications that I've seen where every single artist has at least a BFA I'm extremely unimpressed and untouched by this art. And I love art, but I feel like what I have, the very little research that I've done into it is that the the, the very degreed artists are making a different kind of art than the art I'm interested in. I think mm-hmm. it's much more about intellectual. Yes. I think it follows trends. And I don't know that it's really about what I think art is best at, which is really connecting people to their hearts and their souls and their feelings and all of that weird inner stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So, But but there's also great value in being taught by somebody who knows that, you know, who can show you how to use a a stick of charcoal, right? Mm -hmm. You probably wouldn't get on a video, unless they had really great camera work, because, you know, then you're right there and they're talking and you can ask questions as it goes. So there's something about that live, you know, really being able to dig in about the details and stuff too. So I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying for me, it was, it was devastatingly harmful. Um, But I did learn a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes too, like, and, and this is the type of thing that you don't, think about when you're younger because you're in that position of automatically thinking that anybody who is a a professor or whatever some authority figure has the right to say the things and lead you in a certain way um you don't think about well like maybe this person is not really qualified or maybe they're, maybe there's something else going on in their life and they're just like taking it out on everybody. <laughs> you know, like,
1: right. that or doesn't... maybe, you know, because they're also working artists, they see that, you know, they're in a conundrum themselves because now right. are, they're developing their competition. Right. Yeah. yeah and, true. you know, especially I think then too, I think that was a real concern because it was pre-internet and everything. So it was just the galleries. And I mean, Houston is a giant city, but there's not that many galleries, you know, that you can, you can't have your work in all of them. And so I think that was a real fear too, because what I consistently felt and I talking to other people in my, in my classes, they felt the same way. We would spend a lot of time talking to the accounting major about their really bad landscape. Like that was we would discuss and really encourage that person and work really hard on them, but everybody else who was really serious, they got less and less and less attention. But I think it was because of that fear of lack, you know, that somehow they would get run over by the new, fresh, new talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true. That was just my feeling on the thing, but um, yeah. yeah, but, but, but I do think the. like in sculpture, the critiques were really good. Like we talked about the sculpture and not necessarily if it was amazing or not, most of it was garbage. (laughs) Um, But we had really interesting discussions because like where would you put this crazy sculpture, right? Like, because sculpture takes up space. So it's it's an interesting conversation to go, where would this live? Because, you know, it's really overt and it's really risky. So it wouldn't make sense to put it in any public space because people would be highly offended. And so where do you realistically see this going if you're going to pursue this as a career? It was really interesting. And I liked those talks more because it was more talking about art Mm -hmm. and, you know, because in the end, what I, to, at a certain point, if art is great or not, it is an individual, it is an individual reaction. I mean, it is extremely subjective. Once you reach a certain quality level,
0: I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, easy to get lost in the process as an artist and not think about some other contexts. So yeah. having those discussions of like, yeah, so like, where is this going to live? Like, how is this going to function? How is this going to affect other people? Or even, you know, more today, I think we have more conversations around like, who is the target audience for this? Like,
1: right.
0: you know, is this something that that people, are, it's going to resonate with people? Um, and getting beyond the like, creating art just for the sake of like yeah it brings me joy and this is something I really enjoy like if that's the only thing that you want to have of that then that's great but identify that and make sure you're moving in that um but if there's something that you want to do more with it and it involves other people then you need to start thinking about how it affects them as well
1: yeah yeah so um I know and I you know I struggle with that too because I do purely abstract work and it's so it's already a very niche audience I understand that um, because because I think it's another thing that the art world or the art, yeah, the art world has done against our society is that they turned it into something so special and so rarefied that only the very special elite can even possibly understand why this painting is important and how they should feel about it, right? And, and that has really robbed the vast majority of people from their own experience with art, right? And so, um, so my, what I've been, well, I have a, a, so I wrote an article on my blog about um, how to appreciate an, an abstract painting, you know, one artist's opinion. And I talk about this idea about how it's not about, what we've been told, right? Like great art is great because it speaks to you. Great art is great because it made you think of something that you hadn't thought about in a long time, or it made you feel something that you love to feel, or a, a mil- I mean, as many people are on the planet, there's that many different reasons to fall in love with a piece of art or have that art be special to you in some way. And um, And so I talk about that and one of my neighbors, um he's in his 80s he said you totally i you totally changed my mind and and he's actually started drawing because he understood that he didn't have to have a special knowledge to appreciate art because I mean of all the species on the planet we're the only ones that take a stick and draw a line in the sand and say this line means yeah. Something, right? And we all agree this line means that, and it becomes meaningful to us. There's nothing else that does that. And I really feel like we've been robbed by the art world saying, okay, this artist made this line, and now we're going to tell you what it means, and we're going to tell you how you must respect this. And maybe it's not respectable, but maybe it's a cool idea because, hey, no one else ever did it before, right? To make a completely white painting and say, this is art, it's a little audacious. Does it mean it's great art and that you want to live with it? No. But it could be kind of cool—a cool idea, a cool concept—that would open up doors for other interesting concepts from other artists.
0: Yeah.
1: But I don't. Yeah. But yeah, I kind. Of, there's. I think art is so. It's so human. And and I think I and it, and it's within all of us. I think any artist, any person, could become an artist if they worked hard enough. To you know make mm-hmm. the kind of art that they want to make. I mean, there is work involved. But I think every human is capable of doing it. Does that, you know, I mean, I could be a realist painter, but I'd have to put in so many hours to make that happen. And that doesn't bring me joy. I love seeing it, right? Like I always say, if I could come back in a second life, I would be a landscape painter. And I would do those huge murals of like the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. Western, American West, 30-foot paintings of, that's who, that's what I would do but not this lifetime. Like, that's not who I am. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I want, I have a completely different way of working that I, that I love. And and I want to explore that. Yeah. Um, And it's pure. It's so individual. And so I know that my niche market is tiny because it's really personal. So it's going to connect with people on a personal level and that's okay i've made the decision that that's okay because i'm not interested in doing something that maybe i can make a thousand prints of and sell you know every month Mm -hmm. at first that it's not really my personal goal it's a great goal i'd love to be making that money from it (laughs) (laughs) yes
0: so let me ask you to your i want to pick up the story a little bit from Hmm. you graduate from some school and you're kind of in that place of like "Mm," and you're trying to unpack some things so what does that look like then as you moved forward and well, how, how did, did you prioritize for your art? Did you, did you end up doing other things in between? Like, how, yeah, no, how, up, yeah. yeah, no, I ended up, yeah,
1: no, I made I, I was making a lot of really stupid decisions. And so um I was in a really super dysfunctional relationship. And so all of the energy and, and, harm that that creates. Um, But I was still making art. It was still always my touchstone. And and I just started, um, because it was a painting, I started drawing. So I was just making drawings. And um, and, and I was picking up these symbols that I had created in college, because I was already in this relationship towards the end of college. So I was, my life had taken a very dark turn i was not prepared for but i was really committed to this relationship it's really bizarre anyway so um what i found is i could talk talk about what i was going through using symbols in my paintings so i was moving away from the realism and using these symbols to discuss and kind of you know like journal right like i was i was journaling with my paintings and um, and this, this symbol symbology really grew and developed and, is, and it, it has stayed with me for quite a while. Only just now I'm kind of letting it go and morph into completely new things, which is pretty nice. Um, and so, yeah, I would just, I was waiting tables and I was every night um, with headphones on, drawing on the floor. And I ended up having a solo show from that um, this is why I lived in Seattle it was back in the early 90s. And then a couple of group shows and started working with oil pastels. And um, and yeah, so I still had the dream. I was still going to get discovered, you know, and I was living this very punk rock. You know, what I thought at the time was super cool. <laughs> it wasn't cool. <laughs> it wasn't cool at all. <laughs> so then um, when I turned 29, I ended that. And so there wasn't a lot of art making then. Then I had to deal with the real problems, you know, like why was I involved in a 10 year relationship like that? Right. So then I was really dealing with the depression and all that did a lot of therapy. I was still starting. I was and I was kind of as my life stabilized, I started drawing a bit more and I was very afraid of therapy. I was very afraid that they were going to cure me. And then I wouldn't have anything else to draw. Like I wouldn't be able to make art anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I'd be fixed. I'd really be like a normal person. <laughs> And I would just like go to work and everything would be normal. So it was, anyway, it was explained to me. That's not exactly how it worked. (laughs) And um, it was interesting. um, My therapist asked me to bring in my art, which I was ecstatic to show because at this time I'm not, I don't have an art crew around me. I I did not have an art community. I I had tried some art, some, you know, hanging out with artists, but it was still very much backbitey and you know, they would uh, instead of looking at your art, they would critique your art, although you hadn't asked for a critique, which I found wildly offensive. And so I didn't really hang out with a lot of artists and plus a lot of them, too, especially this time of my life. They were also living the rock and roll punk rock lifestyle, which I was done. I was really done with that. So anyway, I was very excited to bring my work into this therapist <clears throat> and she flips through it. And she says, it's so interesting. Over and over again, I see like there's five and there's three and there's five and there's three. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she pointed out to me and it was true. Every single piece, there were multiples. All any multiple was either a multiple of three or a multiple of five. And I said, well, obviously, because it just makes sense, right? It's not going to be four. Four is dumb. (laughs) And she says, explain this. And I said, I don't I don't know. And and it was so anyway, what I figured out was it was about my family. I have two sisters. And so it was us three or the family. So three and five, these are natural numbers to me that feel very safe. And it was really interesting. So therapy actually turned out to be a really good thing because it really opened my eyes. And then for a little while I was a little self, I was a little self-conscious, like, oh I'm doing three again but I was trying to do four and it's like, that's not, let's just, I'll just accept it. My numbers are three and five. (laughs) And that's kind of gone away too now that I don't really, um, that's not so prevalent in my work anymore. Um, but what I found is that I absolutely love getting to talk about work, artwork in not in a, you know, that white is too white, you know, I mean, that's fine as a, as a detail to the conversation, talking about art, but more about like where does this art come from, and 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 how does it move, and do you move through it visually, and all of that? Does it work as a painting or a piece? So um, so so then. So then I had to get serious and grow up and actually make money. And I was tired of working in restaurants. So I went and worked in corporate world where I was really talented. Apparently I was working always executive assistant and office manager and project manager and taking care of lots of big projects. And so the bulk of my creativity was going into, you know, corporate communications and putting together, you know, events and voluntary things and all that kind of stuff. And I had lots of Excel spreadsheets. I fell in love with Excel and all that stuff. So as I, you know, kind of progressed up the ladder, um, making great money and all of that, um, and making less and less work until in my 40s, I thought, oh, I guess the whole art thing phase is over, right? Like, because I don't make art anymore. So I should stop torturing myself about not making art. And I, because I just, I'm not. That phase is done. That 40 year phase is done. And then one day I picked up a pen and ink and some paper and I started drawing and it was brand new stuff and it was so exciting. And it was like, oh, okay, no, that's, that's not the phase that's over that, but this corporate phase probably needs to be done. So over the next few years, I completely jettisoned that whole thing. And just, I moved to a tiny little town in Wisconsin and Got a couple of part-time jobs and and I made art and I ended up with a with the solo show with these drawings I was doing pen and ink and watercolor these abstract pen and ink watercolor I ended up with a show of forty-two pieces and it was beautiful and we lost count after a hundred people showed up I ended up selling a bunch of it having lovely conversations with so many people it was beautiful and it was it was a great healing experience for my art to really, because I couldn't make it fast enough. I'd never made so much art in my life. And I was busy. I mean, working two part-time jobs is, you know, I had a dog and, you know, I had things to do to take care of, but I was still making art like crazy. And it was the most art I'd ever made. And it was so easy and free and and every piece was better than the last. Like it was hard to make a bad piece. It was amazing. It was an amazing time. And it was very feed feeding to my soul and then everything kind of fell apart in Wisconsin. And I just was like, I can't really keep doing this part. I mean, the part-time thing is fine, but it's not like I can't build my whole life on this. So, um, I ended up going back to Seattle where I have some family and I can, I have a two year limit that I can live there because the whole no sun thing really affects me seriously. Mm-hmm. So I have a limited amount of time I can be there. And so, but then I, that meant I had to get a full-time job because the cost of living is so incredibly expensive. And so once again, because my gallery friend in, in Wisconsin, he said, you better not get a full-time job because you're not going to be able to make art. No artist can make art and have a full-time job. And I'm like, oh, of course, whatever. I can. It's not a problem. And of course, I didn't. I think I made like three things <laughs> over mm-hmm. two years. And then I had to get out of... i i, I My time in Washington had expired. I couldn't take it anymore. So then I moved to Florida and um, I had another part time job and started making some art. Um, And then I, and then, and then really my life fell apart. I'd kind of been going along, going along. I don't want to get too into the weeds and the details and all that jazz, but it ends up where I get a lot of messages from God about what I'm really supposed to be doing and a lot of support from everyone, including my family in my life, about being an artist, which was stunning to me. And um so I end up in Michigan. <laughs> I'd become a real hobo starting in my 40s. <laughs> and um And I started making art. And then one day again, and it was, it was good. I got, I got a big piece and a big show. It was, it was going pretty well. And then I got another message from God and he said, um, I didn't hear it as God at the time, but it was, it was so important. It was like, I need to start painting again. And I'm going to paint in acrylics, which I've never done. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it now. And I completely stopped all the drawing and bought supplies and started watching YouTube videos and figuring out, you know, how this thing works and then made some really awful paintings because going from watercolor to acrylic is like, it's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. traveling to the other side of the moon. I mean, it's so completely different and I was really at a loss. So I just making terrible paintings and, um, and joining groups and things like that. And, you know, paid, paid artist groups and finding some great ones and finding some okay ones. And, and, um, but I'm still really struggling and really felt like I'm not being seen. And, um, and then I found a group where I was seen more, but we still were not talking about the stuff that I like to talk about. We still weren't really talking about why is this so hard sometimes, you know, other than like, oh, it's always hard for everybody at some point, you know, which is true, but it didn't really help me. I didn't feel like that really helped me to say, "Oh, everybody has a tough time. Just you know, get over it, walk it off. You'll be fine," which is true. Also, <laughs> is it really helpful? <laughs> and does it help you the next time that you you know hit a hit a sore spot? So then um, it was summer of 2020, and and or I guess it was spring, really and i once again i get the message from god is like you need to start your own group now you've experienced all these other groups the big groups the small groups the live groups the recorded groups now you really know you need to you have something to offer you need to do this and i was like uh-uh no way cuz then i'll never paint again and that's way too much work and it's and plus people won't like me and who am i to mm-hmm. you know say that i have some secret because i don't um but he would not let it go, and so I did it. I put it together and created um, Strong Artist Life, and and it's been kind of amazing. And so now I I have a community and and get to talk to other artists about important things, and this you know the, the layer beneath the paint, and then also I get to paint and make make more art. So. Yeah. So, yeah. And slowly cobbling the pieces together of how, you know, making, you know, like, do I want to be in a gallery? Is that really that important? Or do I want to sell directly? And how much of that is really important to me? It's interesting. So it's been a long, a long, tumultuous, windy road, but I'm still making art and, and my art, I'm still learning. I still, you know, take classes, um, because there's so much knowledge out there. And, and, and I think, but I think that is the the eternal quest, quest right. Of being an artist that you always yeah, want to sure. get closer to that vision of what it is that you're wanting to get to. Yeah. And um, so every, yeah. So my work's getting stronger and it's more fun. I'm, I have less down days, you know, cause there were times when I would, be painting and something would go wrong in that painting. And I would just be stuck on the couch for a couple of days, just staring at it and not knowing what to do. And that would affect my relationships and mm-hmm. my eating habits and my sleeping habits. And it just, you know, cause it just hung over me like this huge weight of like you, you know, you're on the precipice of doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but now since I've changed the way I work, now it's just like, oh, well, that's just another painting that's just not working right now. And I've got, I mean, honestly, I'm not exaggerating. I've got like 10 others that mm-hmm. I can work on because now I do that. I used to work on one thing at a time. And now I'm. it seems to be uncomfortable like 10 or 11 open paintings, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a massive transformation.
0: It's interesting because so much of it, I think, you know, it's dealing with mental health things uh, as artists. Yeah battling with depression, figuring out, um, how do I move through this and do that successfully and realizing like, oh, there's actually like a loop of thinking I'm stuck in yeah, and patterns of behaving that I'm stuck in. And until you start recognizing that about yourself, you can't move through that. You can't work through that and come to another place where when a situation arises that wants to prompt the same loop and the same behavior that you can start to address it differently um and that's not even just solely related to just art but that's just life in general but then when you bring art into it and that's the thing that is supposed to give you the most amount of joy and everyone says it's so amazing (laughs) and then all of a sudden that's not it's, it feels disjointed and disconnected.
1: Right? Because then There's, you post. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: No, it's just, it's such a weight that sits on you. That's extra on top of everything else.
1: On top of everything else. Right. And then you post your, your newest creation that you is like the best thing you've ever done. And you post it to some group or wherever, and it gets like seven likes and everyone else seems to get like 3000 and like 200 <laughs> comments about how amazing it is. And you look at theirs and you look at yours and it feels the same. Um, and, and so in your brain, I mean, in your thinking grown-up brain, you can say, okay, it was when I posted, it was all about the algorithm. You know, it was whatever, all the different thousands of reasons that have nothing to do with the quality of your art, but you don't listen to any of that because what really matters is that only seven people bothered to like your art. And of those seven, only three of them hearted it. And so this means now that I'm a terrible artist and I should probably pack it all up and go, you know, go back to accounting or whatever it was. And, um, and who am I to think that I could make something that would inspire people to say, wow, this is great. Right. Other than my family who are probably only saying it because they feel sorry for me. (laughs) I mean, it's such an awful, (laughs) it's such an awful place to get to. And I think social media is, is, You know, when you are dealing with the problems of feeling insecure and and having, you know, some elements or full-blown depression, I think social media can be one of the most toxic places you can be, but you're there for good reasons, right? You're there because you want to connect with somebody Mm -hmm. and bless those people that are able to connect with people on Facebook. I think they're super genius because I (laughs) don't. I really don't. I mean, I connect with people that I've met you know, and then I know them and then connect with, you know, stay connected with them on Facebook, but to actually just connect with some person I don't know from anybody and connect on Facebook, that's never happened for me. And I looked for it a lot and I was constantly crushed by just like, just the most banal responses, if any response. And, um, you know, and the same thing when, then, when you submit to galleries, you know, like 90% of them don't even acknowledge that they even received anything from you. Um, to the point where I was writing people thank you emails for declining my work, you know? Mm. I was just so happy to get uh, somebody to respond. It was like, right, they saw my work. I mean, they hated it, but they saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm alive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's interesting because it's still the critic, no matter at what turn. And the critic may look different at different parts of your life. But that voice is still very strong and it's figuring out how do I navigate dealing with that voice? Like, you're not going to kill it altogether. You're not going to just shut no. it down altogether. It's always going to yeah. come back and And it. there's
1: some schools of thought that maybe, you know, aggressively going after it is probably not really healthy because it is a part of yourself too. So I think it's more about making friends with it somehow.